we are continuing our series on uh, the subject of move, and tonight's going to be a little bit different because, as you'll see in a moment, this is an area where new community have responded really well and have made some great moves um, over the last few years. The topic is prayer. One of my favourite topics um, to speak about, I've preached on prayer on many occasions, sadly some of you have even heard me preach on prayer on several occasions. Is there anything new to say about prayer? Well, we'll see in a moment. Also, um, when you announce that we're going to speak about prayer, it has different, immediately it has a different reaction. Some of you are looking outwardly interested, but inwardly you've already started to switch off because you've either heard lots of sermons on prayer or Prayer is something that just doesn't resonate with you very well, or it pictures up, conjures up a thought that prayer might be something a bit heavy, um, hard work. Um, and for some of us, to be frank, we don't pray really very often, and so we're a little bit nervous that this might be kind of up there somewhere rather than relevant to where we are in our lives. Um, so my goal tonight is to preach on prayer and to bring out some aspects of it that are going to inspire you. Say to the person next to you, inspiration. inspiration. Say to the other person on the other side, inspiration. Well done. So tonight's word is all about the importance of inspiration. Because to be honest with you, if you don't get inspired to do something, you're not going to do it, you're not going to pray with your friends, you're not going to turn up to the week of prayer, even though he got the dates wrong, you're still not going to turn up because, because it's not very inspiring and it's a bit difficult to come in the building with a whole load of people you don't know. But if you're inspired, then the inspiration uh, becomes a priority. And you know what? We always have time for things that are our, our priority in our lives. And I'm passionate about prayer. I love the concept of prayer individually and corporately. And so tonight my aim is to just bring a bit of inspiration into your life. Let's turn um, to Luke's Gospel and chapter 19. And um, this is an account uh, of Jesus, which is mentioned in all the Gospels with different kind of aspects. And it's a story that's quite well known to some of you. It's the time when Jesus comes into the temple and he sees people changing money and buying and bartering. If you've ever been to a market in the Middle East, you'll know what this is like. I mean, there's chickens everywhere. It's a mess. And the temple of God is supposed to be for other things other than this. So Jesus is meek and mild, right? And very gentle. And then we suddenly find him with a whip in his hand, driving out these people, turning over their tables. Some of the Gospels give the account in detail of what happened. And it's like, what happened to meek and mild Jesus? He's now very angry. Um, the reality is he hasn't changed. He's still the meek and mild Jesus, but there's a righteous anger in him. And the righteous anger is there because this house, this temple was never meant to be a place where people made a lot of noise selling money and buying and no doubt betting and all sorts of other things was going on. So in Luke chapter 19, verse 45, it says, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made a den of robbers. 
In John's Gospel, chapter 2, the disciples make a comment about this and they remind themselves of a verse from the Old Testament that says, zeal for his house has consumed him. It's kind of like Jesus is so passionate that the temple of the Lord is exactly what it was meant to be for, which was God's presence, knowing God's presence, praying. In fact, Jesus here is quoting a verse in Isaiah 56 verse 7, which says, where God says, My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. Now, right up until the new covenant, this was all about a temple, a literal temple in Jerusalem. It was about a place where people would come to, be, to go to the house of prayer for all nations. In the new covenant through Jesus, it's no longer about a physical building. It's about a people called the church. So you could translate this, my church will be a house of prayer for all nations. One of the hallmarks of a local church that you belong to is that it prays. And it prays fervently and it enjoys prayer. And when an announcement is made about a prayer meeting, we all run to it because we can't wait to get there. It's the goal, isn't it? That Jesus will have a church full of people who love praying. I'm not sure we're there yet. Um, It's the goal. It's the dream. It's what we're believing God for. Let me just interrupt this by saying it is a reality in certain nations of the world right now. It may not be so much in the Western world, but I could take you to parts of the world. Liz and I will be in Mozambique and Zimbabwe at the end of June. If you could come with me into some of those prayer meetings, you would go, I thought our prayer meetings at home were quite lively but we're dead compared to this because these are people who have learned something about prayer and I want to take up in a moment some themes that have inspired them that I believe God wants to inspire us because I don't think this is a southern hemisphere China South America type of thing I think this is for us And I think that Jesus prayed that we would be a house of prayer for all nations. And that's where we're going. That's where we're going to turn up. Every leader, every elder, every pastor, whatever you call them, that I know all over the world longs for the churches that they pastor to be like this they just long they you know they love the worship and they and they and they love um, the teaching and the discipling of people and they love all the things that are going on but they know this verse and they know this promise and they go wait a minute when it comes to prayer it is a real effort to get people along to come and pray why is that why why is it difficult for God's people who love worshipping and love the teaching and love discipleship that when it comes to prayer they switch off and they don't want to come and be part of it I know a guy who was pastoring a church who was so frustrated with this lack of people coming to join together to pray that he and some of his friends, literally, they announced to the church that the following week they were going to have this massive social. It was going to be a great time. There's going to be loads of food. And all the people turned up and there was no food and they locked the doors and they said, it's a prayer meeting. They had never had so many people at their prayer meeting ever before because Christians like food. I mean, this, this, the, they just came because they thought it's a social. It's going to be great. But what a, I mean, it's the wrong thing to do, wasn't it? But I sympathize with it. I, I think we should do this sometime. I'm not sure, but maybe it'll happen. Now, before you all get a bit kind of like, oh dear, 
You know, we're not what we're supposed to be. Well, we're not. We're not there. It's good to be honest and say we've still got a long way to go. But I want to kick this off tonight by saying this, that in the last few years, something really wonderful has been happening in new community. And I think this is one of the things that's been happening. There are more individuals in our church across all the venues that have testimonies that their prayer life in the last couple of years has really begun to take off where it hadn't done before. Less of a chore, more of a delight. Um, Not out of duty, not because someone's telling them they need to pray, but because something's stirring in their hearts. And I want you to know, and I'm not exaggerating this, that right across New Community right now, more and more people are finding a real desire to pray. There are individuals in this church that are really praying more than they used to. And then there's whole loads of people that gather with their mates Twos and threes. Jesus said, when two or three of you have gathered together, there I am in the midst. I don't know whether you're one of them tonight, but all over New Community, before work, in the middle of work, at the end of work, on a Saturday morning, whatever, twos and threes are gathering together and are really learning to pray with one another. This is absolutely fantastic. The subject of the series we're looking at is the word move. Now, before we go further, I want to say, I think we've moved. You haven't heard that much over the weeks, have you? It's all about, we need to move. I think there's been real movement. And, and I, don't, I know that lots of twos and threes, but I know there's whole loads of families now that are more and more praying. They're gathering the kids together. They're praying with one another. They're making prayer a very natural kind of thing. So we've got individuals. We've got twos and threes. We've got families that are praying more and more together. Then we have communities. You've heard a little bit about this. Lots of them are very intentional and on mission, involved in certain things. But more and more of them are finding, you know, before they get onto their mission thing, they just want to pray with one another. So we're finding more and more communities are finding more and more extra time to pray with one another, which is just such a fantastic thing. Do you know that there are now more prayer meetings going on in new community across all venues than we've ever had in the existence of this church? And most of them have not come from us saying to people, you need to pray. This is fantastic news because it means people spontaneously are starting prayer meetings and wanting to pray for revival. And I know there's gatherings that are happening in homes and there's gatherings that go on through the night and there's all sorts of things that are going on which is sensational. And here's the final bit of evidence that new community needs to be really commended. Um, and that might be you as well. You need to be really commended because people have decided that we need to pray and we want to know more and more of prayer. To the extent that for 25 years, we have run three times a year a week of prayer and we've always been able to squeeze everybody into the back room just behind here. And last year we made the move to come into this building and that has resulted in even more people coming to pray. Something's happening, something's stirring. And for years we've wanted to Create an environment where we could be what Jesus prayed, that we would be a house of prayer for all nations. But you can't make it happen. You can't make people pray. You can't force, I can't force you to start praying, even though in a moment I'm going to give you some reasons why you should. But I can't make you do that. And we can't make this church pray. We, we can't manufacture it. It has to come not top down, but from people themselves pushing upwards. And for the first time in many, many years, literally many years, we've got people saying to us as elders, can we pray more, please? It's like, pardon? 
Can we have some more prayer? This has always been the dream, that we wouldn't be begging people to pray, but people would be coming and saying, please can we pray some more? And so the church needs to be wonderfully commended in this whole area of prayer because we may not yet be the house of prayer for all nations that Jesus intended, but we're sure on the journey. We really are making some moves. We are not where we were. We have moved forward as a church community. And as I've said before, more and more people are are saying it's no longer a chore. It's a tremendous delight. It's something we look forward to, that prayer isn't just seen anymore as hard work, but something that is energizing and empowering and and really effective. So we could finish the sermon right there. Some of you will be very grateful. Tick the box. We've done the deed. Pat one another on the back. Well done. We've We've managed to become a church of prayer. But the series is called move and so I think tonight is me just encouraging you and hopefully inspiring you that if we have made these moves if you're praying more than you used to and if you're with friends and you're in your community and you're praying more and you're coming you can't wait to get the dates right and come along to the week of prayer from the 24th to the 26th of April and you can't wait to get there because something's stirring inside of you which is absolutely wonderful We're on a journey, we're becoming more and more like that. But can we now make another move? Having made a move, can we can we now do some things which moves us up another gear? So that we begin to pray like the early church did, because we're not quiet. And we begin to pray like prayer meetings are going on around the world. Because it's not just an English thing whereby we don't pray like that. But we actually change and things begin to happen. I think it's just something on the heart of God that he wants for us. I was thinking about this this week that if something is totally stationary, it's actually static. It's very difficult to get it moving. And then I thought, well, if we have made a move and we're kind of moving, then surely it's a lot easier to speak to the thing that's moving and say, move faster. Move a little bit more. Come on. Well done, church, but we're not there yet. Come on, let's keep going. Let's see if we can move into another area altogether. So I've got two inspirations tonight, two areas of inspiration about prayer that I just want to share with you quickly uh, with a goal that this will just inspire us to really want to be the house that Jesus wants and that it will be history when we used to talk about prayer as a heavy kind of thing that only a few people turned up to or I struggled with my prayer life as an individual or I didn't pray with my family or my friends but all of these things kicking in just start to grow and multiply and move forward. The first is this, we need to be reminded of the power of prayer. And I think, I might be wrong, but I don't think I am. I think around the globe today, the reason there are people that are praying more fervently than perhaps we do is they just believe in the power that prayer affects. I think we do believe there's power in prayer, but not quite the same way. We kind of, we kind of know that prayer works and it's powerful, but... We've not yet experienced the utter power that prayer can work in our lives. 
not yet convinced that we've really grasped this yet in the way that I read in the book of Acts, for example, of how the early church lived. I mean, they so appreciated that prayer was powerful. It's like they didn't make a move or do anything without praying. It was never a last resort. It was always the first thing that they did. It was like breathing for them. And when you read through the Acts of the Apostles, you read about this community that has this atmosphere of prayer, which is remarkable. So Acts 2.42, right at the beginning of the story of the church, it just simply says they devoted themselves constantly to prayer. It wasn't like anyone imposed it upon them. It was just the most natural thing to do. And they prayed in their homes and they prayed out on the streets and they prayed in big gatherings and small gatherings and they prayed to God and they prayed for one another and they prayed for the apostles and they prayed for the elders and the elders and the apostles prayed for the people and prayer is going left, right, center, east, west. It's just boom. It's just part of their life. And the reason is because they actually experienced massive breakthrough and they knew the answer wasn't their hard work and activity, but the answer was they saw that prayer was a wonderful tool and a wonderful gift that God had given to them. So you see little phrases describing the church like they prayed on all occasions and chapter by chapter of Acts, you see breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough that happens as the gospel goes forward. And each time you see a prayer meeting and a prayer meeting and a prayer meeting. One occasion, Peter, who's one of the key guys, is locked away in prison. He's going to have his head chopped off. And so there's a gathering. There's a few people that gather. And then more people come and more people come. And they're falling out the windows. And it's just absolutely rammed and packed. And do you know what they're saying? They're praying, God, deliver Peter from prison. They have no idea how that's going to happen. They can't do it. He's locked. In fact, you read the story, they've doubled the guard and the guards are all around him and he's chained to the guards and then they pray. And then an angel comes and releases Peter and takes him out through one gate and through the next gate and down the street. And he thinks, where shall I go? I know, let's turn up at the prayer meeting. So he knocks on the door and a little girl called Rhoda, runs out to the door and sees it's Peter. She doesn't open the door. She's so excited. She just runs back and says, Peter's at the door. These guys, this is what they're praying. Deliver Peter from prison. Deliver Peter from prison. Rhoda says, Peter's at the door. Don't be so stupid. It must be his ghost. I mean, what kind of a, what kind of a statement is that? I mean, something weirdly resonates with me about this story they're praying but they don't really believe that their prayers are going to be answered I go to a lot of prayers like that anyway he's there and eventually he's let in through the door and he comes I mean can you imagine what the atmosphere must have been like as he told them the miracles can you imagine what it was like back in the jail when they got up the next morning and there's the two Roman guards with chains that are now empty and the person has now disappeared I mean, they just knew the power of prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Famous scripture that's been around all day. The guys are going to press the button and up comes prayer without ceasing. You know, when I was in Sunday school, they used to really make us learn memory verses. I loved this one. It just didn't take any time to remember it. Just say to the person next to you, prayer prayer without ceasing. Go on, say to that, prayer without ceasing. It's not difficult, prayer without ceasing. You have just memorized an entire verse in the Bible. But that statement is really powerful because they knew the power of prayer. It inspired them. So they prayed without ceasing all the time. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6. 
This is the well-known passage of scripture that talks about spiritual warfare. And without going into too, too much detail, the spiritual warfare is seen as something that could be dealt with through the power of prayer. So there's some verses in the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 which say the weapons of our warfare are not the same as the world. They're divine for pulling down the strongholds, which means God has given us the power of prayer. It's, the, it's powerful. You don't know this tonight, but you have a powerful weapon. It's called prayer. You don't know that if you start praying this week some things, power is released and things start to happen. We need to make another move, which is to be inspired by the fact that it's not just about numbers at prayer meetings, actually. It's not just coming and praying prayers. It's understanding that behind this, there is power in the way that we pray. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's like Paul's saying there are blockages, there are strongholds. It's not people you're fighting against. It's principalities and powers. And the only way to pull them down is to use the weapons. And the weapons are prayer. Look at verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance. Make supplication for all the saints. And I love this next verse. And pray for me. You see, you catch there, the, right in that sentence or two, you catch the atmosphere of the local church pray at all times pray without ceasing uh, pray pray supplications for people all around the world pray for yourselves and will you pray for me he's not being selfish he's in prison he's in chains and he's trying to be a witness and Paul is not being selfish he's just saying I understand prayer while you're praying for everyone don't forget me please pray for me and you just catch this wonderful moment when the new community that's there, the people of God, they're just praying, praying, praying. Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. <clears throat> when we pray in the name of Jesus, we actually pray with authority. Prayer just accomplishes so many things. Let me inspire you. When you pray, it changes the perspective of your world. It gets to become not what I can do, but look at how big God is. It kind of came out in our worship tonight, didn't it? We don't look at ourselves, we look to God. And the moment you start praying, you pray, <clears throat> and what happens is the perspective of your world changes. Prayer changes the focus off me and my circumstances <clears throat> onto the God of, of the universe for whom nothing is impossible. Without prayer, we become overwhelmed. I want to really encourage you to pray so that you won't become overwhelmed. Many of us as Christians are just overwhelmed with life. Do you know why we're not praying? Try this verse for size. Philippians 4 verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests, your prayers be known to God and verse 7 says and he'll fill you with peace do you know I don't mean this glibly because I'm sure there's lots of ways that we need to handle things like depression and anxiety but I know one of them is to start praying and I guarantee the moment you start praying things will change and we'll be less overwhelmed prayer unlocks the presence of God God said I'm with you 
Do not be afraid. The moment you start praying, it's about God's presence, about releasing the sense of God's presence in your life. Prayer is about declaring truth. We don't pray because we feel like it. We pray because we're declaring the promises of God, the facts. The Lord's prayer is just full of wonderful, tangible truths. Our Father who is in heaven, it starts. And it goes through one by one. It's declaring truth, the basis of our praying. Prayer causes faith to rise. Jesus said, ask anything and it will be given to you. And then he said, if you believe. See, I could pray for someone here tonight about something and I could just pray prayers. Or I could pray believing. And when you pray believing, then things start to kick off. Because God absolutely loves faith. Prayer unclutters your life. Some of you look like you need your lives uncluttered. They're too complicated. They need to be simplified. We had some words tonight. It came two or three times in the worship. God has plans and purposes for you. Did you hear that theme coming out? Right from the womb all the way through. He has a plan for your life. Well, you know, praying means that you start to see things all get in order. It unclutters everything. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift. Why on earth aren't you doing this? Why are you and I not praying far more? It's because we still haven't grasped what prayer can actually accomplish and what it can do because it's really, really powerful. Prayer lifts burdens off our shoulders. It's wonderful verses in the Bible where God says, you know, cast your burdens upon me and I will sustain you. I just watch Christians all the time burdened. And it's like God's shoulders are much bigger than yours. Why don't you just give them to him? And when you've given to him, keep them there. It doesn't say he'll take your problems away. He just say, I'll sustain you and I'll keep you. Prayer gives solutions to questions that you've got. See, I've got so many questions about so many things I don't understand in my life. Pray. Don't think elders have got the answers. Pray. Go to God. He'll unravel things. He'll speak to you. He'll give you keys to give you answers to the many questions that you've got. I really want to challenge us tonight to pray, pray, pray. Prayer energizes us. Did you know that? Every time a Christian says, you know, well, I'm going to pray, you've missed it by a mile. It just has the result of energizing you. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So the moment you start praying, guess what? Strength and energy starts to pulsate through your life. Anybody here tonight wants to put up their hand because they need energy in their life? Anybody need? You look like, come on, everybody. Then I can encourage you, pray. Because it will start to happen. Honestly, folks, going through this list, why on earth would any of us not pray? I have to tell you there are reasons. One is... We love to be independent. Prayer, you see, is really humbling. Prayer is saying, I can't do this. God, I need you. The moment you do that, you've lost your independence because you're now becoming dependent. Guess what? You're becoming dependent upon the God of the universe. Duh. I mean, come on. It's not really that bad. Here's another reason we don't. We're just self-sufficient. We think we can do this. 
That's why prayer for some of us is a last resort. It has been for me many times. I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried that. Listen, and I have been talking about things and we've tried this and everything else. And finally, we've run out of everything and I go, why don't we pray? As if that's some bold revelation I've just had. The early church didn't think like, they just prayed straight off the bat. I mean, they just started. Because they weren't self-sufficient and they weren't independent. And can I just throw this one in? I know some of you find this hard to believe, but you have an enemy who is determined to stop you praying. Why? Because he knows the power of prayer more than many Christians. And he's going to be in big trouble if you start praying. So that little thought says, well, don't bother with prayer. You're just too tired. Just switch off. It's preventing you really engaging with the power of prayer. And that little word that says to you, Oh, it's a week of prayer, but I feel really tired and exhausted and I've had a busy day at work and I don't know whether I can really kind of get there. When you overcome those thoughts and you get here, you will be energised beyond your, your understanding. It's just amazing. It's just a lie of the enemy to think you'll get even more exhausted. And I'm talking to a very young crowd of people. What's your problem? You know, it's kind of like... <laughs> You're not exhausted, you're not tired, you'll, you'll be fine, it'll be great. And by the way, do come on Thursday, but come Tuesday and Wednesday as well. Because something about coming night after night to really pray really stirs you. I think we've made some great moves as a church. But I think when we discover the power of prayer, we'll move even more. I hope that inspires you. Secondly and finally, we'll finish with this. There's just this little word in the Bible that a lot of us don't like that the early church experienced a lot of in prayer and also around the globe today I know people are experiencing and that is perseverance so the first thing is the power of prayer the second thing is persevering prayer and I I think that though we've made some great moves I think in this area I'm not so sure that we've arrived in fact I think we give up far too easily I know I do I pray and nothing happens and I just don't bother to pray again. It's kind of like, well, I prayed and nothing happened and I give up. And I think it's a bit of our culture and it's a bit of the way that we live, but I think it's wrong. And I think the early church, they persisted. They came again. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed. I love this wonderful uh, verse, Isaiah 62, verse 6 and 7. It says, on your walls, God is speaking. He says, on your walls, O Jerusalem, I've set watchmen. And they're actually people like who pray, okay? All day and night, they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. And I want to be in a church like this, where people really pray and they give themselves no rest and give God no rest. The thought of exhausting God is just so cool. (laughs) God's kind of on a cloud, exhausted. You know, will you stop praying? We're not going to stop praying. We're not going to let you go. We're going to keep on praying and praying and praying. You said, God, where is it, where is it going to happen? When prayer is not answered, sadly, we give up too quickly. We pray once and that's it. This is definitely a make a move moment for new community. Fantastic that we're praying more than ever before. But we have yet to learn, I think, how to persevere in prayer as others do just keep on praying and praying i think this is countercultural i think we live in the world where we think everything has to happen instantly and if it doesn't happen at the press of a button then we give up 
In fact, I think if you've been raised in this country, uh, as I have been, probably perseverance is... The moment the word perseverance even is mentioned, you think something terribly negative. Whereas there are some cultures in the world today where perseverance is honoured and applauded. So I think we need to become countercultural. I think we shouldn't be like our culture. We should be people who don't give up. And we should be people who keep on praying. That we should come again and again and we should persevere in some things until we see them actually happen. Jesus said, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. People keep saying, God, you said, I believe you. I'm taking you at your word. Isn't it time we began to move up a gear in prayer by persevering? There are things that we need to see breakthrough on. And I don't think we're going to see them until we as a church learn how to persevere. I can just immediately think of a number of things and, and we just don't have any way that we can do it in our own human strength, but God can and will. Do you remember the story, some of you might remember this, in Exodus chapter 17, where Moses is standing on the hill and the Israelites are fighting the Amalekites. And God says to him, take your staff, the same one that opened the Red Sea, and lift it high. And he lifts it high, and all the time he's lifting it, the Israelites are winning the battle. And every time he gets tired, because he's an old dude, he kind of... The staff goes down and the Amalekites start winning and the Israelites are going backwards. You can just imagine. And and they're having to learn this is not a human battle going on. Behind this is God. This is God's battle, not ours. And there's two characters called Aaron and Hur. What a cool name. And the two of them come together and they're not so young either. And they say to him, sit down on the rock and we will lift your hands. So Aaron holds one hand up and Hur holds the other hand up. And as they keep Moses' hands in the, in the air, the battle is won. It's just the picture for us that the battle is the Lord's, but he wants some people to lift up their hands. He wants some people to pray. He wants some people to keep on persevering in prayer until the battle actually is won. And so what about us for six o'clock? Most of you come here most Sunday evenings to six o'clock. What are the areas where we need to see a real breakthrough? And when you can think, you've got your own thoughts, but when you can think of what those areas could be and should be, then those are the areas when you're suddenly aware, we can't make this happen. And then you're cast on God. And then you realize that if we pray and persevere and keep on praying, then eventually those walls will come down, those giants will topple, those strongholds won't be able to stand anymore, and we'll sweep through and see great victory. One obvious one is salvation. We're growing as a church, but we're only seeing a couple of people saved here and there. I don't believe that's God's will. I believe his purpose is that scores of people should be coming Christians. In fact, I'd like to dare to believe there will come a moment in our lives where daily people are being saved. You can't make that happen. But maybe if we prayed and we persevered, we could see it happen. We have a goal as a leadership team that we would baptize people every month in this church. In fact, we'd love to baptize people every month in every venue. Now, I just want you to take hold of that. Um, We're coming to the end of April. We'll be going into May. Um, 
Is there an opportunity that there might be people baptised and then baptised and then baptised, that this baptistry will be open constantly because we're seeing the breakthrough? Here's another breakthrough area. People getting saved and, and being baptised are finding that following Jesus means a life change. This is a real breakthrough area. We need to see people not just become Christians but made disciples. So many people have mental health problems and they struggle with relationships and they struggle with the lifestyle that Jesus calls us to follow. And genuinely people are wanting to make this work but it's a real struggle. I think we need to see a massive breakthrough in seeing people come to Jesus and then becoming radical disciples and really following him. Here's another one, signs and wonders and miracles. Uh, if you are a Christian here tonight that believes Jesus is raised from the dead, that gives you a real problem. And the problem is we're not seeing the power of a resurrected Jesus in the way that the Bible describes. You don't have the problem. Please don't misunderstand me. The problem is you believe it, <laughs> if you can understand. So if we really believe that Jesus is alive, he will heal people physically. He will set the captives free. He will work miracles and signs and wonders. And do you know what? It's happening all around the world, but it doesn't happen here very much. I think it's time to persevere in prayer until we see more breakthrough in the miraculous. I could go on to uh, add to that list. You may have your own areas of breakthrough. But if it inspires you tonight... That to make a move in prayer individually and corporately is to know more of the power of prayer. Then let it inspire you tonight as well. That if we're really going to see massive breakthrough, we do need to become a people who learn to persevere in prayer. We come again and we come again and we pray again and we seek God again. Until we have this tremendous joy of seeing breakthrough. I mean, it's just so wonderful. And when it happens, we won't be saying, look at what we did. Isn't it amazing the way we prayed? We'll be saying God alone has done this and made it happen. Amen. Prayer's good, eh? I mean, prayer's kind of okay. Prayer is just amazing and powerful and life-changing and energizing. And what are you waiting for? And I want to really encourage you, the response from this word tonight is make a move. And if as an individual you know you're not really into what we've been talking about tonight, you don't need to go on a course to learn how to pray. You just need to start praying. And if you do want to learn how to pray a bit more, grab a friend. Get some people around you and pray more regularly to one another, with one another. And pray with your family. Pray in your community. And run to the prayer meeting on the 24th, 25th and 26th of April. And run here and get here and be part of it. Why? Because we want numbers? No. But because we want you to experience what the church has experienced and get caught up in many of the things that we need to see God break through in prayer. I want to really encourage you that not only to come to those nights of prayer, but also begin to respond to this prayer is powerful and perseverance. Let's close in prayer.